Yeah, it, it ends at thing off, and you're just sitting there scratching your head for the last two minutes of the movie, going, and then, and then what? But if he if he did that, then he did the. How did he? Then what? Huh? You know. <laughs> It's like the the meme of the preacher. He goes, why? 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 <laughs> That's, my brain was doing that the whole time. All right, if so. you're nine years old, this is a horror movie. I just don't think Bill Nye was as cracked up as people thought he was. The ultimate way to the flick as a suspenser is no. What do they have to do with each other? I'm trying to find the connection. I don't know. Guess what? It's Scooby-Doo. This is Scooby-Doo. What does the circus have to do with anything? And they just blew it off in a matter of two seconds. Why? Why? What was all of this for? That's the only. We're not telling anyone about what has happened. But like, they just blew off every conflict they could ever have. Cinematic fantastic. Platu, Barada, Nikto. I'll show you who I am and what I am. Beaten by a werewolf and lives, becomes a werewolf himself. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Hello and welcome to the Cinematic Fantastic Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Weatherford. And your other host, William Weatherford. Get ready for opinions, dad jokes, and bad jokes. As we watch and review sci-fi and fantasy films from the classics of yesteryear to the new favorites of today. Hey there, listeners. It's Cinematic Fantastic back again. Uh, we are on episode 29, the ninth episode of season two. Um, and we are yeah. almost halfway through yeah. our second ever season. Well, I mean, hooray and stuff. Yeah, I mean, look, look I'm, I'm excited. I like, I like moving forward. I like talking about new things with you. And a new decade as well. Oh, yeah. the, the 40s, I think we, yeah, with the 40s we're going to do for at least a couple seasons. There's quite a few movies in there, I think. I know, but we've never been to the 40s before, never. and now we are. Now we are. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a millstone. It's a new decade ahead of us. <laughs> we've crossed the barrier. It's definitely a millstone. Um, if you remember our uh, old Dark House episode, you'll understand that joke. All right, so uh, th- this movie... What is this movie? Uh, is that really what it is, or is it a pilot for a failed series that's really weird? Okay, it's an anthology series all about primates. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's a movie called The Ape. It comes out in 1940 uh, from Monogram Pictures. It's starring Boris Karloff, which is probably the only reason why we're talking about it. I didn't know. I thought this movie was going to be different. But it's it is different. But I thought it was going to be different than what it was. Whoever is listening to this, <laughs> who is watching the movie, yeah, uh, it probably sees the word Monarch Pictures on their cover and goes like, "Huh, wait, you said it was Monogram. They just changed their name." Yeah, what? Well, that, that's not the only and time. Then we're going to refer we're going to refer to it by the name on the Wikipedia, <laughs> which is Monogram. Which is Monogram. So yeah. That. Now here's the thing too. You talked about name change. We can talk about the you know as we go talk about Monogram, but I think they changed their name. A couple times as they changed owners and and decided to re- recapitalize on different things and try this and try that. For those catching us uh, new, last episode uh, we covered Son of Frankenstein. It was good. Uh, completing the Frankenstein trilogy with the third title. With now that I think about it, it, it the, the trilogy sort of went down like the Silent Hill trilogy. Really? Okay, do tell. 
Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. It's you've got the solid start that's still remembered. Right. It had a bit of a pile of issues keeping it from ultimate greatness. Okay. The the V the voice acting is jank. I hear. Also, the story makes no sense. Okay. Those are the two things. Uh, you've got the highly praised and iconic sequel that went more psychological than horrific. Mm. Definitely that. Mm. The third entry that introduced cool new elements and ideas, but was less iconic as a whole. That's that's that is check 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 in my in my book disclaimer. This is an outsider's take. I don't know everything. I'm probably completely wrong. This is a no. It's this is probably a hot take. It's interesting it the way you're putting be. that. But yeah, actually, most trilogies usually end up like this. There's the sequel or the there's the first movie that sort of sets a baseline uh, and it's pretty good. The second one usually ends up a lot better in some eyes, and then the third one. Uh, is sort of lesser than the both of them. Yeah, I mean that that's that's not always the case, but there there's there are some series where okay, I, I could point to specifically uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. The second Spider-Man movie is actually pointed to as being the best of the three. The same thing with the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight uh, series or the, the Nolan verse Batman series. The Dark Knight is generally pointed to as being the best of the three, the middle one. So it, your your mileage may vary. I mean, because if we look at the Amazing Spider-Man two, you know the uh, the uh, Andrew Garfield movies, some people say there was never that a third one, sucked. one though. I know, but people say that one sucked. So it's not always the sequel. Sometimes tries to be bigger than the first one and do more and plays more on some of the uh, uh, some elements that were started with it. And the third one just kind of you know is trying to play you know kind of sum it up but yeah I, I i would definitely agree on that yeah so that's that's just putting a cap on our last episode that was basically what we did yeah so father you want to get started then i uh i'm on your dime you are you are the the captain uh, of this this fair vessel um you're gonna take us where we need to go and uh i honestly i'll just i'll I'll sit over there in the science position on the like the starship i'll sit in the science position and if i see something interesting or whatever i'll say captain there's a anomaly on the port bow something like that i'll just uh, i'll just point out a cool little nifty fact or i'll just be the you know guy that comments on stuff and says that was really weird captain so you you steer the ship uh, you navigate and you tell me. Yeah, I feel where like to go. this is gonna be like a part where it's like uh, you're like introducing the Grand Vizier, and then there's all the fanfares and stuff, and then the camera pans down, and there's a tiny little man. Right. It's t- um. So, uh, to start off, this movie was directed by Will Nye, the science guy. Uh. I had to say <laughs> his name is literally Bill Nye. Uh. How on earth? Right. Did, uh, He's- such a coincidence <laughs> happened. So I was like, I just realized this as like a Will Nye the Science Guy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna probably put all the theme songs ne- up here. Yes, Bill Nye the Science Guy. Now you're never gonna get it out of your head. It's just gonna be there forever. It's gonna be there forever. Will Nye the director guy. But. Uh, to, to recap him, this dude made an alright name for himself, he did some stuff with RKO and stuff, but he was the type of guy to do stuff with producers releasing Corp, we talked about them earlier. Uh, they were the bottom of the barrel, uh, of the Poverty Row are, companies. Are they Poverty Row? Yeah, yeah, I was, I was gonna ask Infamously yeah. so. Yeah. And, uh, he was just, he hanged around the Poverty Row space, which was where Monarch, to be monogram, uh, were at the time. And were for the rest of their days. They're at Poverty Row. B movie cheap cheapies. But producers yeah. releasing Corp 
was the bottom of the barrel for any person to go, really. They made really cheap. And it said they never spent more than a thousand dollars on a picture. Well, the, the, wait, there was there was one movie they actually got up to like nine thousand, or didn't it? Do, I don't know what the average was, but they 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 did you know uh, have budgets much much less than the major studios. Uh, B minus pictures, like B B pictures would be putting it lightly. B minus pictures, you know, but they put out a lot. Do you see how many movies they put out? Yeah, and I mean even monogram or monarch as it was then. I'll I'll just just call yeah, it monogram. We're, yeah, we're gonna call it monogram from here henceforth. There you go. Yeah. Um, they they also put out quite a bit of movies. Like every every like day or two, I was looking, and it's like there was a movie coming out. Like man, man, was it packed? They were churning them out, and they and they had. But he did they, work with them. And yeah. uh, with a lot of the stuff that they did, so he was heavily in that space of Pavia Row with them and producers releasing Corp. So let's talk a bit more about Monogram's uh, Monogram Pictures. Uh, I want to say uh, a bit about how uh, what they were about. Yeah. Uh, now Monogram they made their bread and butter on Lone Star westerns, serials, and suspense dramas. That's what I get from them. Yeah. Uh, these were also the people who did Charlie Chan. Uh, sadly, it's not the one with Warner Oland. I think he, like, died or something, and then Monogram picked it up after 20th Century Fox stopped producing them, but it's not the ones with Warner Oland. The 20th Century Fox dumped those, uh, onto them, uh, after they didn't want to do them anymore. And Detective Wong, a, a Chinese-American detective similar to him, and he was played by Boris Karloff, which is where Boris and Will Knight, the science guy, got paired up together, uh, for this movie. Yes, Boris Karloff is in this one. And I would tell you this, the the only reason, I'd say one of the, I, I guess the only reasons why Boris Karloff did The Ape is it was the last of his six-picture contract with Monogram. His other films were all in the Mr. Wong Detective. Yeah, he literally just did those, and then that's where Will Knight the Science Guy. He went, oh, I'm gonna, I've am i already lured him in deep enough. Let's make one more movie and then itch him out. Yeah, so uh, Mr. Wong Detective in 1938, The Mystery of Mr. Wong, 1939, uh, Mr. Wong in Chinatown, 1939, again, same year, 1940, you got The Fatal Hour, which is a Mr. Wong movie, Doomed to Die, which is a Mr. Wong movie, and The Ape. So, And also, hey, by the way, William, in doing research for this podcast episode, you can go on YouTube and find all the Mr. Wong movies, which I actually put in a playlist. I'm going to uh, somebody nicely put it, put them in a playlist for me. I'm going to watch them one of these days just to see how how jank they are and how racist they can get. I'd be looking forward to watching those with you too. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe so. But yeah, these these were the offensive Chinese American detective stories that they picked up. Yeah, and, uh, from but other why why can they be on YouTube without trouble? I'll tell you one little tidbit. Almost all the movies from. I'd say early 40s on back with Monogram are now public domain. Yeah, most of it's 30s stuff. Yeah, it's, it's all public domain. It's because of something they did with the copyrights or whatever. Something they did, they didn't do right, or the rights that they had, they, they sold away at some point. Or they point. just didn't even have any money to pay for the rights. Right, exactly, exactly. So, you know, we, we get to watch some of those for free. 
Yeah, but I'll talk about how their finances went uh, a bit oh, over yeah. now. Yeah. So, again, these monogram were also the people who did Bomba the Jungle Boy, starring Johnny Sheffield, uh, who played Boy from the Tarzan the Ape Man series. Uh, you definitely know about that if you've seen the Tarzan the Ape Man series episode. Is it the little boy with Johnny Weissmuller? He's like the young... Yes, and he was in Bomba the Jungle Boy, and we talked about it. These were the people who did it. Yeah, it's a spinoff. It's not really a spinoff of Tarzan, but they're playing off of that white person in the jungle in a loincloth. They were, that's what they were trying yeah, to do. Yeah, and a bit of a King of the Flies influence. Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. Why, now, you. why... I was like, it surely yeah. can't be King of the no, Flies. No, no, no. Why is it a Lord of the Flies influence? Is it because the two main leads, uh, like... Well, it's because I, I just made that comparison just now because I was like, huh, they're both about... A young boy who finds himself on an island with absolutely nothing. Although then oh, he's in a group. He wasn't raised. He wasn't raised by apes or anything, right? He, no, just, I think he, just... he was. I'm just saying there's a comparison to have this. It's the appeal of a young character making for himself in the middle of an island. Yeah, yeah, that, I, I get that. It's, it's probably the, a loose, loose kind of connection you could have there. As in Lord of the Flies, it sort of gets creepy, and I think they start murdering each other. Yeah, which is not what happens in Bomba. I'm sure it's. I'm sure he befriends uh, Bomba the eight, uh, Jungle Bomba Boy. The Jungle Boy. He's so wholesome. <laughs> and then the music starts is that playing. is that is that what you want the theme song to be? I I, I didn't know. Ah, uh, no. That'd be nice. I wonder if the Bomba the Bomba movies are on, you know. See, it's funny that we're talking about uh, Mr. Wong and Bomba because this movie was so unsatisfying to me that I'm willing to bite on anything that you're talking about. Bomba, Yeah, wow. but let me talk about their okay. fate for a minute. Yeah. Uh, basically, their fate was they uh, would merge into Allied Artists Incorporated uh, in the 50s uh, who did Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Which we will watch, which we will watch, yeah. and that They did that. That's actually a good uh, movie. A that's actually merged company. And that's a bit surprising that they merged into this bigger company. I think they were going to eventually, they were going to try and merge into Republic Pictures, but it didn't work out. Uh, I think the reason why they, they have allied artists is because it sounds like United Artists, which was, which was legit. So they figured if their name sounded legit like another company, then they'd be taken seriously and they could get bigger projects. Yeah, but uh, then they go bankrupt in 79, and that would be their end. Their movie library would eventually go to MGM through way of United Artists. They'd pick them up. Ha ha, funny. We just talked about that. Uh, most everything after 45 went to Warner Brothers, and a smattering of the earlier stuff got to Paramount through a long chain of events. Uh, wow. uh, one of the chain of events was Lorimar Productions, who do, they do a lot of television stuff. They bought out a lot of the right set stuff, and then I think Paramount bought Lorbar. Yes, I think I think that's right. That was somewhat recent. I think that was '96, uh, I believe. They bought that. Yeah. So again, as we've been talking about, Boris Karloff had previously worked at Monogram Pictures, uh, being Detective Wong, uh, based off of Hugh Wiley's story, uh, published in Collier's Magazine. Uh, he appeared in five films as character within two years. He got really tight with them, and that's where they uh, that that's why the ape really happened with him. It was a it, it was a Christmas miracle. So after the success of Son of Frankenstein, a guy named Key Luke took over for Karloff as the detective in Phantom of Chinatown, 1940, while Karloff was cast in this movie. And uh, this would be the last movie in his sixth movie contract. Yeah, Key, uh, man, it was blown quick. Key Luke is a very important uh, Asian American, Asian act. Uh, just say Asian, Asian actor. Um, you see him, I think. Uh, 
Oh wait, does he play like the old man in Gremlins? I think that's that gives the Mogwai to uh, keep keep going, and I will I will give you an idea of some of the uh, the things that Key Luke has done. I, I remember it, but but yeah, the contract was blown very quick. They're just like make a series with us, and then one more movie, and then we're dead with you. But it was a miracle they could even get him at all. That was that was their marketing strategy for this movie. Is we have Boris Karloff, guys. Come on in, come on in. And then everyone came in because it's Boris Karloff. What are you going to do about that? So uh, they hired the screenwriter, scriptwriter. His name is Kurt Sudmack. Do not be intimidated by the O with a slash with it, by the way. I think it's U is how it's pronounced, so it's Sudmack. Okay, okay. I'm going to try to pronounce that Sudmack, yeah. Yeah, so they hired Kurt Sudmack in July 1940, and uh, another guy, Rich Carroll, uh, came along later. Uh, he was another writer, I guess. Uh, the gist of that is that The Ape was based on the play by the same title uh, by Adam Hole Shirk. I almost said Shrek. That would have been funny. Right, right. Except they pulled a Dracula's Daughter here, and the movie the movie is absolutely nothing like the play at all. They they pulled a Dracula's Daughter with this one and been like, hey, guys, we based it off something cool, and then it's nothing. Right. Yeah, the the play seems to be more like the old dark house, but with voodoo, like Indian curses and that stuff. Ah. Uh, it has a movie adaptation called The House of Mystery, and that's why it's called that, is because it's about a house of mystery, uh, you know, voodoo and uh, a gorilla. I was I, I was right. Key Luke did play the grandfather uh, the, that sells the Mogwai uh, in Griblins. He's also in some movies we're going to do. He's actually an, the English narrator of Rodan, the English version. Uh, also, uh, the American version of uh, of Godzilla Raids Again, which is called Gigantus the Fire Monster. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but Gremlins was an American-produced movie. Right? It was, yes. So he probably uh, he probably moved to America at some point. No, unless no. They commissioned him away. He was in a lot of uh, the Jackie Chan movies as as Lee Chan. Uh, so that's probably why they pulled him into the Mr. Wong thing because they had, he had the the face. No, I mean into the Gremlins. No, no. Well, yeah, he's he was in he's been in America for a long time. He's Chinese American. You know, he's lived lived here for quite a while. Gremlins was in 1980s. Oh, so he pulled himself to Japan and China for his roles in Jackie Chan and stuff. No, 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 no. Not Jackie Chan. Uh, Lee Chan. Now in a God Ch- stuff. A Charlie Chan. Well. Uh, for a lot of the stuff in America, what they would do is they would have Americanized versions of uh, uh, Chinese and Japanese movies, and they would have, and that's where he'd hop in, being a voiceover, excellent lookalike. Vo- no voiceover. He do- he did voiceover stuff. He because oh that makes because his voice is sound is Eng- is English, but he has a a Chinese accent to his voice, and so that that lends it a little bit more credibility when you're doing the voice of uh the you know the dub over voice. Uh, for the characters, but he did a lot of stuff in serials and things like that, playing Chinese and Japanese characters. Probably not always respectful characters, but he played them well, no matter what he did. And so that's interesting. Yeah, that I agree. But uh, why? Why did they pull a Dracula's daughter here? Well, uh, Sudmax's motto, as he said in an interview, is he said whether it was the ape, the climax, nineteen forty-four. Or I walked with a zombie, nineteen forty-three. Yeah. I never used the original material. I used my own stories. So basically, he 
he he uses his own stories. He literally that that's his motto is I'm going to make a movie. It's going to be about what I wrote, regardless of what it's based off of. We're just going to say it's based off something, and then I'm just going to go off my own stories. No anyone else's material. Yeah, he's coattailing the other material. But thing is, what if the other person's material is better? Ah. He's a better writer than you. Uh, yeah. What if? Yeah, yeah. Think about that. Think about that. You can get so much more better ideas from the better minds out there. And uh, plus, if you're sort of mingling your idea space with their idea space, it turns into this unique idea space that makes the movie much more interesting idea-wise because you're blending things. Oh, like a mashup. But no, Kurt Sudmack. (laughs) Just like this movie. Kurt Sudmack, his whole thing was he probably thought he was the better storyteller anyway. And he just kind of was like, it, uh, when you b- say based on, it lends what you have credibility. You could say, oh, we got this movie and it's based off this other author. Oh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll risk, uh, as an insurance uh, with the production, we'll, we will risk money. We'll risk money on it because it, it's based off a of property. But then people actually cared about things based off of properties today. Back in the day, it was like, Oh, it says based upon. It just it barely lends it credibility, and then you just go with it. But nowadays, people would be like, they get so upset if a character is even slightly different from the from the IP. I definitely do agree with that sentiment, though, because especially when you have like Disney and Pixar as well. Essentially, they are having to deal with like you know they make the most money off of previously established IPs. And especially since they're making, like, Inside Out 2, they're making, uh, like, Frozen 3, even Toy Story 5, they are literally beating that franchise into the dust at this point. Zootopia 2 is on the way. We didn't even need such those... We didn't even need any of that, really. (laughs) We didn't even really quite need so much. And plus, they're, like, literally... They've resolved to to remaster all of their or remake in the in, in the oh, person, oh the live action remakes view, yeah the live action remakes uh and bring back into the industry a new version uh, of what they would like us to You can't you can't have the memories you you have of the originals like a version of it that they want us to to see at that point that they want to go oh look this is how it always was nostalgia here but it's truly not you have to go back to the classics especially we are in 1940 that was about when Pinocchio came out, which was one of the famous... That was the second uh, movie that they made, but it was also really great for, you know, when you wish upon a star, no matter how who you are. That became their slogan. It became their intro because of how much it spoke for who they were as people. You know, wishing upon stars is such a relatable thing and speaks to that fantasy. And, uh, you know what, they're even making a live-action Moana remake. I've heard about that, Something yeah. that hasn't even passed, like, a decade this is still presenter stuff, but because Moana is so popular and it made them tons of money before, they uh, want to do that again. But that all leads into the fact that they like previously established IPs and uh, the times they try for unique IPs, such as uh, like uh, Strange World. Uh, you have all sorts of stuff right here. I mean, Kanto did all right, but it's not like they're going to do Encanto 2. Don't call me on that. They, they probably might, are. Yeah. And uh, actually, speaking of the, the Disney and stuff, I do think that DreamWorks, with their unique IPs, are sort of what is sort of what is good in the limelight, especially for like Puss and Boots. Well, it's not like a unique IP; it sure did something very unique, and people really like that. 
uh, there's a new thing. Uh, I don't know. It was like Teenage Kraken or something. What? It was uh, it was something something Teenage Kraken. The story is the Krakens are basically the good guys, but the the mermaids, while being like, uh, oh, how beautiful and so pretty we are. We're good for all the people, you know, but they're actually not. They're evil. Although, the, the, there's a lot of spoilering in the trailers, it seems. that they're, Every plot point seems to be touched on. But uh, we're getting... we're getting Far far afield. So, uh, we are going to see some more of these, these cheapo movies from, from Monogram. Uh, Monogram also had, like I said, had, had diff- a bunch of different names. One of them was... Allied artists. You remember where they're in the Yeah, and as we talked about earlier, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, well in in yeah, okay. So Invasion of the Body Snatchers was made under Allied Artists, and that actually is a good I I, I don't even remember that as being a, a monogram. I just remember that as that was really good. So let's see the other ones that we, ones we'll do very soon would be the Ape Man and Return of the Ape Man. We're really doing lots of ape stuff. Those are those are under monogram because, you know, they're B minus pictures, and then Day of the Triffids was actually released in the UK by uh, Rank Organization, and in the US by Allied Artists, aka Monogram. See, Allied Artists doesn't that sound so so hoity toity and up? You know, it's it's like I said, it's playing off of you know United Artists. They got the uh, giant behemoth, the giant behemoth, and indestructible man, attack of the crab monsters, not of this world. War of the Satellites, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. All sorts of goodies. Yeah, yeah, very, all, all varying sorts of, levels. All sorts of cheesy goodies. Yeah, all sorts of cheesy... Varying cr- levels. Crunchy goodness. But speaking of woman, uh, yeah. wanted to talk about Maris Rickson, who I okay. believe was Francis in this movie. Um, basically, her story was uh, she was on loan to Monogram from Warner Brothers, and... Uh, Rickson recalls that she received the script for the film one or two days before shooting. Man, did, they were like, okay, here you go, speed read it immediately. That's not that bad to, she didn't, she didn't have tons of lines anyway. Well, yeah, but still. She's actually one of the better actors in this, I would say. Um, you know, everybody else is kind of either phoning it in or, or wouldn't, uh, except for I would have to say, um... Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff still looks like he's like doing math in his head while he's acting in this. Yeah, she definitely enjoyed being with Boris Karloff and uh, Will and I, the science guy. Will and I, the science guy. Ah. She also said that the studio and also Party Row Studios uh, like it were very frugal and awful careful about what they did. Although she did say it was like living in a foxhole where she was. She said <laughs> she was like, sure, uh, very awful careful about what they do. But, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's it's a foxhole. It, it's dirty where I'm living and where I have to stay in between shoots. Because at this point, they don't have the budget. When you when you say things about foxhole, it's really in, in a way it, it it's kind of also plays into that uh, it's a war. So basically, you know, you've got people running all over the place. You don't know what's going. It's kind of chaotic. You know, they're trying trying to get the get the picture done. Well, the U.S. was not in the war till forty one. So well, well, still, still, people knew what foxhole meant. Production on the ape started in August sixth, nineteen forty. Keep in mind that this movie came out in September. Right. So they started less production a month. a month, less than a month. Before they're even doing so, they 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 filmed it. They had time. They had to edit it. Yeah, they had to film in California. And uh, while the film was promoted as being a larger budget production for Monogram, the circus footage in the film was indeed stolen footage from another film. I knew it. And they did indeed repeat shots of Doctor Adrian leaving and entering his house. So 
Yeah, we were talking about it while watching this. We were like, I swear they were repeating a shot. <laughs> oh, did you see that cut? What was that stroll? He's just like straight, straight back, just little tiny no. stroll. Just a lot of that. These people have never seen an ape move around, have they? Dad said that, and he also said, like, I swear that the circus footage is all uh, stock footage because it's uh, b- because the angles are all different. Wait a minute. Is it but it's stock? the best. It's it the greatest show footage. in the world. Stock Ah, uh, it's stock footage. Look up, everyone, at nothing. Just save money. Yeah, no, the... But a lot that of... gray is lighter than the gray in the other shots. Yeah. <laughs> Look over there at the stock footage. Yeah, he's trying to distract her. Because... Oh, over there, the stock footage. He's trying to it's so her. interesting. The material on the Circus 10 isn't up to par. No, no, it's, it's not just that. It's not just that. When you see the film, you see the film, and it's a, it's of a different, like, grainy... And then you go to the other, and it's like better quality. You could tell what 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 they brought to it and what they got from another movie. It's it's pretty easy to tell sometimes. Yeah, but the film finished filming within a week, so most it. of the time I was probably it. spent on like <laughs> the ape costume and the scene where the circus burns down because that one had to that that one was a big scene because they had to burn down a whole circus and try and manage that. Maybe they had to burn it down a couple more times. <laughs> Just to make it last for enough <laughs> for a month. They probably filmed all the night sequences at the same time. Uh, what you would do is you would take one day and you'd film scene six and scene nine. They'd film a lot of things out of order while they'd have to fill the actors in on how their character arc is at the moment. So they'd try their best to uh, make it not seem like they did it out of order. <laughs> That's not hard. But yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of the ape costume, yeah, we have Crash Corrigan. Uh, doing the apes here, as uh, Dad said, he does uh, his own ape costumes. Well, I know that he he used this costume again in some other different pictures. It's 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 not the greatest costume, but it's not bad, not for the time period. I mean, you know, uh, ape costumes were to get better, of course, in the future. But at at this point, they were like, hey, you got something decent? Okay, well, can I use it for this other picture? Yeah, I'm doing a Tarzan. Oh, you're doing a Tarzan. Or he could be doing sort of a... Like Lon Chaney was doing back in uh, Fan of the Opera. He uh, he made his own makeup, and uh, so Crash Corrigan was sort of doing that as well. And as we talked about earlier with Errol Flynn, he did his own stunts. So there are a lot of people who are like, I'm going to do my own stuff. And it's 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 going to be like pretty good jobs, but it's not like a professional made it, and it's like professionally styled or anything, but... So this is uh, he is uh, a su- successor to kind of the Charles G- Gamora kind of guy, right? Mer- Mer- <laughs> yeah, Charles, yeah. It's Charles so. Gamora from uh, from Murders on the Morgue. Murders on the Rue Morgue. Yeah, there's there's very some similarities with this these two movies. There's you know bodily fluids you know being <laughs> being siphoned and put somewhere else. And there's an ape, okay? I don't know much more than that. Exactly. So let's get into the reception of this movie from Contemporary Views. The New York Times said, uh, Perhaps if you're under 12 or just like to be frightened and try very hard, the wow. ape will scare the daylights out of you. Yeah, okay, so sure. If you're if you're 9 years old, this is a horror movie. If you're 13 years old or even my age, the sweet crisp 16 it's it, it's it's sadly not really. It's goofy. It's goofy. It's. Just... I'd give. I'd have to agree, but we're probably gonna save all the product, uh, all the plot stuff for later, uh, because it's it's just wacky. And uh, they said the Karloff is properly baleful. 
I don't know what baleful means, but it it, it doesn't it's, sound uh, that great. Sad and dour, serious and dour. I think. I I yeah. I would say I would say so. He's very, fairly serious. I guess throughout the time, uh, while the rest of the cast display dark looks about in the best 1912 style of acting. So he's saying these people Boo. are better off in silent pictures than in sound pictures. Okay. Well, we well well. I know the old lady Jane that the, the plays that she doesn't talk. She at did all. a she lot of she, silent movie stuff. She might as well have been in a silent movie with this one. She didn't do anything. Yeah, and I'll talk about her a bit later. Um, Revere and Variety said that the ultimate way to the flick as a suspenser is null, and most of the footage is extremely boring. I'd have to <laughs> say that as well. That, that honestly, for a bad movie, that I, had to, I hate to say this, but when you have a bad movie, the biggest crime that a, ba- a bad movie can, can commit is boring. If you have a movie that's, like, dumb and bad acting but, like, moves – a uh, hundred miles an hour, and it's just going, and you're just like, "What was that?" You know, there's some movies that yeah, this movie was just bafflement. The movie, yeah, but yeah, I'm gonna save a lot of the opinions on that uh, for a little bit later in the episode. But yeah, yeah, that's sort of my so, sort. Of, I sort of agree with that sentiment. Uh, Kate Cameron of New York Daily News, more optimistic, said that the film's plot doesn't bear scrutiny at a fair range, but it does get some good horror effects. Uh, I guess. I mean, okay. most of it is physical. There isn't really many, like, special effects. Like, no one's, like, beaming everywhere. Like, beam me up, Scotty. It's style. just the ape. It's just a guy. It's, the it's a- just it's... the ape. Yeah, there's Horror no, there's effects. No, there's no blood. <laughs> there are guinea pigs in the movie. Horror effects. There are dogs being being, uh, being looked at. Uh, horror. Effects. Exactly. I think it's, more, it's more suggestive. The horror is what you, the horror is more suggested to you than it actually is shown. I have I have words about that. So, uh, yeah, Irene Fair of the New York Observer gave the film a fair ranking, uh, F A I R in all caps. Right. So it she that's her rating system, uh, stating it was not awfully exciting that uh, Will and I directed the film uh, rather tamely. And uh, the Los Angeles Times Revere going by K G. Uh, optimistically stated that no matter how far-fetched the story, he always makes it believable. So, eh, yeah, it, I, I guess it's believable, uh, except for some things. It's, we'll it's, talk about that it's, later. It's believable up to a point. Let's just put it that way. Then, then, yeah, then, he then concluded that a rails. few loose ends mar the film. I yeah. would say that there's a million loose ends. But there's yeah. at least five loose ends that totally, in my mind, but it didn't have to be a million. All you need is yeah. five, and you're like, what? Yeah, he noted the unnecessary fire sequence and the lack of explanation of what happened to the villain. Well, I guess there's an explanation. I don't know. I have, I have uh, an explanation. A reviewer for The Hollywood Reporter found the film to be a better production for Monogram, well-made, interesting, and notable for excellent performances from Boris. I'd have to agree. Uh, in the UK's kin- kinematograph... Kinem- Kinematograph Weekly called it first class thriller fiction and <laughs> the Karloff acts with conviction and sincerity. Yeah, but but honestly it's it's comes from his lesser acting. First I will say. class thriller no, fiction. No, no. That no, would that no. to me for this movie, that would be as plausible as saying uh that would be as plausible as saying I hop pancakes are better than homemade. <laughs> what? 
No, don't throw, don't not throwing shade on the international has some pancakes. But yeah, Karloff does act with conviction and sincerity. I guess I have to agree. Uh, from retrospective reviews, Phil Tardy's The Encyclopedia of Horror Movies found the film to be in, uh, agreeably dotty, but distressingly tacky. So basically, it's <laughs> off the walls mad. I, I like that. I like and, that. And it's bad in quality. I, I like that review. That's pretty pretty truthful. You know, you got you got to just get... pretty succinct. Yeah. Um, so Michael Weldon's The Psychotronic Encyclopedia of Film declared the film declared the film I to be. I want that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want that book. He declared the film to be probably the silliest movie in Karloff's entire career. And you wow. thought only Bela Lugosi made films this dumb. Fun fact, Bella would do the Ape Man and Return of the Ape Man, which are other ape movies. Will it be as dumb remains to be wait, seen? Wait, 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 wait. Dumber than that is is Bella Lugosi makes, makes a Brooklyn ape. That's, that's, uh, that one, I don't know. The, like, the whole premise is just he meets an ape. Like, they could literally make, like, a short on that. They could make a Sesame Street segment no, based no, on that. Listen, listen. That's not, that's <laughs> just not. Just that concept. It's not, that's not what, what the true thing of it is. What it is is. Um, these two actors who are basically, they are carbon copies of, uh, Martin, uh, Martin and Lewis, which was Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, which were a comedy and singing duo. Very famous. And these two guys basically are almost like, if you can't get them, you might as well get these other guys. Now, I didn't even know who these guys were. And then they basically are, are most of the movie with them. And the ape comes in some at some point, and Bill Lugosi plays some kind of doctor, and so they're just like, uh, "Bill Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla." Okay, what do you have a better name for it? Um, not currently, and it has musical numbers. Yeah, too. I guess so. I I guess it's good for advertising. Goofy romance, romance. Uh, no, no. Is Bella gonna like set the candles and no, play the he's just violin on the radio for his no. ape? He's just in it. Oh, uh, that'd He's be funny. What other romance is there? Uh, it's, it's between, there's jungle girls and a jungle, you know, you know these two uh, jungle okay. like the main character. Look, it's just, it's a, it's a mashup movie. It's a, it's like, let's get a gorilla and uh, these Martin Lewis knockoffs and let's get Bela Lugosi and smush them all together. And look, Bela Lugosi has some more cringy stuff than, than Boris Karloff does. I uh, hate to say it, but hey, you know. Uh, but yeah, this last, uh, we have this last review from the Motion Picture Guide. Specifically found that the film never finds the right groove. Honestly, that's a good argument. Honestly, never finds the right groove. That that does, actually, that's pretty good. I did find the, Veering uh, between odd thriller and ridiculous mad scientist tale. I, I did find the um, the definition of psychotronic, which it's actually a fantastic it's a fantastic definition. It sounds like sounds like a kind of music, but it's denoting or relating to a genre of movies, typically with a science fiction, horror, or fantasy theme. Okay, that's that's us. That were made on a low budget or poorly received by critics. Oh, so basically, this we could call these movies psychotronic corner. You know, we could say this is our. You know, we could call our movies that were that are made on a super low budget or poorly received. We could call that psychotronic corner. No, <laughs> something like that. Oh, but. I guess that works. I guess. Um, so Vic Pratt for the uh, wrote for the film, uh, the British Film Institute, and found that the ape may be the most ludicrous of Karloff's career, hmm. but it's no less wonderful for that. I'd have to agree. Well, he he, and, he uh, must like he must like the like the cheesiness of it. So hey, you know, you have to you have to see this movie at least once in your life. 
Yeah, but yeah, that was this movie. So this movie was all sorts of just wackadoo, and that's all I really want to say about that for this segment. You might ask yourself, why did we do The Ape? Well, I was looking through a list of movies to do, and you know anything anything that was you know on the edge of science fiction horror fantasy adventure you know and the, and I was going down the years and I said well I, I'm not I don't recognize that oh it's got Boris Karloff it'll be fine and then I thought about it went wait a minute uh, the, a lot of these websites that are reviewing are giving it like two out of five stars and I was like oh boy here we go so let's just put it this way we don't have a lot of information on uh, the production information about this movie. Um, I did, I did find out that they took the ape uh, makeup and everything like that that makes up the ape, and they they painted it white for Pongo, some kind of white ape called Pongo, and it's in another movie with the same actress who plays Frances, who is in this movie. She's a uh, she's a paraplegic, or she's uh, she's got polio, so she can't walk. She's uh, she's handicapped. But just 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 to say, look. The the majority of what we're going to talk about in this episode is going to be this plot. Because, oh boy, it's a doozy. One good thing about it, though, is like a lot of monogram pictures that I saw, I didn't see them all, but I, most of them clocked in around an hour. So it kind of gets in and gets gone before you realize you know, before you get too bored with it or realize the problem with it, realize the problem with the, with the plot or, or the characters or the reasons why, or any of those things. So let's say, let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll maybe try to wrap our brains around this, this plot, uh, that gets more insane as it goes. And then really goes off the deep end toward the end. Then you, you, Trust me, you'll have to you'll have to hear what we think about this one. And we are, we back, are back on Cinematic Fantastic Podcasts, where uh, the movies that we're doing are both cinematic and fantastic, and psychotronic, um, and psychotronic. Yeah, welcome to the Bill Nye Show. Today with Bill Nye, the director guy. <laughs> the director guy. guy, right, exactly. All right, uh, so yeah, we have uh, quite a plot. Quite a, quite a plot here. Yeah, a lot of, st- a lot of stuff happening, but it's in th- a lot, like a lot of monogram pictures that I saw in the list of, you know, they, uh, that they had done. They get in and they get out in the span of about 60 minutes. So if you can, you don't even yeah. have time to think about if, uh, uh to think about to, to think carefully about how the story is going, and just it it it's just a wild ride. So please, please watch it. It is public domain. It is public domain. It is we're, public we're domain. We're gonna put a link to it. We on will put in the description. descriptions everywhere. Yeah. And we recommend you watch it before continuing. It's just an hour of your time. It's not like, well, you're already spending like about two hours listening to an episode anyway. So why not spend an hour more of your time just to soak in this movie for what it is before we just, before we come to it with the perspective of having researched the plot and knowing that, making more sense of the story that way. 
because just first watching this movie, it, it's hard to make sense of it. I haven't even watched it after watching it that time, so my brain is still full of s- sort of just confusions, I guess. Well, I, so that be... take this movie, okay? Open it up. Cum grano salis. Cum grano salis. Open it up. Slide on in, and zip up the movie until you you're wearing it like a costume and then just walk around with it let it you know let it let it uh you know ride up on you a little bit let you let feel feel the weight of the costume on you you know as you walk around and and, and let it weigh upon your mind and and let you kind of go uh, what happened? So really the film's story was very similar to other Mad Doctor movies that Karloff had made with uh, Columbia. Uh, like The Man That Could Not Hang, I think we're doing that one. Uh, the Man With Nine Lives, 1940, Before I Hang, 19... Lots of movies about hanging. The Devil Commands, which is like him versus the devil, I guess. Uh, even Invisible Ray from Universal sort of speaks to that. He really did go on this trek of being mad scientist. He was, a, he was on a big mind, mad science kick, yeah. But, but see, Bo, uh, Bela Lugosi was... Stuff like that, Bela you know? Lugosi was abandoning, you know, a little bit, slowly but surely abandoning a little bit of those uh, vampire and Dracula kind of movies, uh, you know, similarity to those. Um, and he was doing more mad scientist, mad scientist kind of stuff. So they were both going yeah. in that direction. Monogram wanted a guerrilla horror film. Kurt Sudmak wanted a film where Boris Karloff tries to cure polio by murdering people for their spinal fluid. He was going for a bad scientist story, and probably the first spinal fluid extraction bad scientist film ever, so kudos. Well, I, I, guess. I mean... Anyway, somehow these two whims met in the final product, and this is the final product. Yeah. So, that what we're going to be doing. All right, I'm going to take it away. Take it, take away. it away. Just All right, so it. so you think that take it from my eyeballs. Yeah. So they're <laughs> so they're going. This is a horror picture. We swear, you know, as they start playing circus music, um, and you know, yeah, I was going to praise this movie for being unique in the fact that we hadn't seen a circus like a circusy circus setting before, really, on the podcast. Uh-huh. So it's a unique uh-huh. setting for setting something yes, like this. Yes, uh-huh. have until Cabinet of Doctor. Well, we have Cabinet seen of Doctor in- Caligari. Well, yes, a, and Murders in the Room work, technically, yeah, but both had, not like circusy circus, not with like this, uh, the opening, not like uh, a side the show. opening credits yeah. are themed like the circus with like the, the clown music and the red and the white calliope, stripes. It's and calliope and music sounding, yeah. Yeah, Pipe and uh, we never got something like that before, and I was like, hmm, this is going to be an interesting setting for a horror movie that could be capitalized upon. And I was about to praise it until, nah, it did not capitalize on that. So, yeah. So the circus is coming. You get this montage of overlaid scenes and music letting you know that, that the circus is coming. I mean, they, they pretty much go, uh, by the way, if you didn't know, the circus is coming. First shots of the movie uh, plot is of these three or four boys uh, that really want to go to the circus, but they're probably just going to get into trouble. Um, it seems interesting that they that they were like had those boys because they I don't know a lot of other other movies but Monogram did do some Little Rascal stuff which is basically a play on it's it's our gang is what it's called and there was also like the Bowery Street Boys and Sp- there was another one called Spooks Gone Wild that had like young young hoodlums or whatever they were getting into trouble so that was that seemed to be like their some of some of in some of their other movies that seem to be like their their meat and potatoes. They ask this mechanic guy named Danny. We'll f- see him again. They ask if they can get some old tires from him, and he says, uh, 
Why Why are you guys going to the circus? There's plenty of freaks around here. Save your money. Plenty of freaks around here. And I'm like, ouch, dude, you're kind of a jerk. But but wait a minute. But wait a minute. I, I, I think because we know he's Danny, he's actually the boyfriend of a character we see later. And he's actually very kind about her, almost to a fault. You know, and so he when he says freaks, he must be talking about the rest of the people in the town, not her, so to speak. But the rest of the people, I just had that thought. Rest of the people in the town, he considers freaks, and uh, they're they're freaking boring. That's about as close as I can say. So, so the kids have got nothing better to do. There's nothing to do in this town. It's really boring. Uh, so, so no apparent reason they decide to go over to a guy named uh, Doctor Bernard Adrian's as a doctor. And you're like, why, why, why do you want to go over his house? They want to throw rocks at his house. Okay, did he really deserve that? We don't know. We learned some more stuff about him where he's got a bad reputation. He's actually he's played by Boris Karloff uh, with his nice little brushy, bushy mustache and his glasses. He looks a little bit like... Yeah, he does get this mustache that is pretty unique take on his character Well, he looks uh, for that mustache. But he looks... He's had mustaches before, but he looks entirely different for that. Yeah, I mean, we remember the last time we saw him in a mustache would have been uh, Invisible Ray. That was more dark hair. But he did a movie called The Night Key, which is kind of, kind of a crime thriller about security systems. And it's kind of interesting. I think it, it, it is it as boring as it sounds. It 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 it, it started out kind of interesting, and I think that after a while it just turned into another crime, you know, suspense thriller. It's okay. I think by the time by the time you realize that that it's kind of boring, it kind of picks up and then it's done. It's not very memorable. It has maybe like a couple of memorable scenes. Anyway, but 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 I remembered it because of the way that Boris Karloff looks in this movie. He looks he looks very much like his character in the Night Key. So anyway, back to this. So our first hint that they that they, they, that people in the town think the doctor's crazy because so they're chucking rocks at his house. So we don't know why. Uh, not really at this point. So Bar- Boris Karloff. As Bernard Adrian comes down the road on a bicycle, he looks kind of like Christopher Lloyd from the Back to the Future movies a little bit. You'll see what I mean. Uh, so he's a very calm mad scientist. Okay, he never gets he gets kind of excited at one point, but he's ne- he never gets above like a six. Uh, he's being an old man, and old men usually have less energy. Yeah, but he he, he never gets so really really like mad crazy. He never gets enthusiastic about he, something. He gets a little enthusiastic at one point, but he, he maybe touches seven, but he goes right back down to six. So anyway, he grabs uh, one of the little kids, but the kid escapes, and you know he's going to make a big deal about it later that that the doctor grabbed him. You know he's going to be like, this guy grabbed me, he hit me. He ran after me, hurt me. And I wasn't doing nothing. Not really, but we see Dr. Adrian in his lab with a bunch of chemistry sets, uh, stuff, and beakers and junk. And you were you were commenting on that it just it's a little tall for him to be pouring stuff in. Does that make sense? I don't know. I, di- I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. There was, one, there was the chemistry set, and there was this just one vial-looking doohickey thing. One vial that was just t- really tall. For like no reason. There's got to like, be reasons. Is it like all the beakers look, look normal and stuff, all the little tubes and stuff, and then there's just this big instrument that's just, <laughs> just really tall. Well, it's and to I'm distill like, things. We don't know a lot about. You know, okay, frankly, we are. I know there has to be a distiller, yeah, but like, we're a science, like, why did it have to be that tall in that position? But William, we are a science fiction 
movie podcast. We're not a science podcast. We know some things, but we don't know everything. So, of course, don't you know anything about science? But honestly, it's a prop. But it, but it's a prop. It was also you're right. You're right. It, this is not a lot of that stuff is props. It, you know, uh, it's just that when they did the strict fading stuff in in the Frankenstein movies and other movies, at least it looked cooler. Um, if you're gonna have if you're gonna have useless technology in a lab. For a mad scientist that goes things that go you know buzz 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 and zap 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 at least make it look cool except he, he, what he has there is it almost looks kind of a very boring chemistry teacher kind of setup but hey maybe that's maybe that lends it credibility I don't know maybe I'm thinking too much about that but moving on he is checking in on these two dogs for some reason okay I, I guess okay so in comes his maid this old lady she doesn't say anything in this movie of course I made the joke that if she said something they'd have to pay her money more. Okay, so this is Gertrude Hoffman. Uh, she's 69 years old. Uh, she's playing the mute housekeeper, Jane. Okay, so this wouldn't be the first time that a Poverty Row studio made an unwritten part, uh, one of the larger supporting roles without bothering to write any lines for them. Uh, one of the reasons is there was such an abundance of mute characters in cheap movies with the, the non-speaking characters were paid less than the, you know, than the speaking extras. There's even a scene where she mouths a line to Karloff because she isn't even allowed to speak. But nevertheless, she does give a pretty good performance here, whatever that might be. Then we go on to another scene of two people coming down the road to go into the general store. I guess it's a pharmacy, I guess is what it is. And one of the guys, Henry Mason, he's like the banker, right? He thinks that Dr. Adrian should have been run out of town long ago. He's given the town a bad name. The town's called Red Creek. There was an, it was an epidemic a while back, and I thought I found out later that it was paralysis or well, polio, really. And Dr. Adrian was using a lot of the, the patients of that as kind of guinea pigs. We do see guinea pigs later. Some people, you know, were okay with him, and some people were not. But he's he's got a bad, a bad reputation in the town. So this guy Mason doesn't like him. Uh, Mason's a banker, and he's always overcharging on loans. While he's talking bad about Dr. Adrian, the pharmacy. Who else would come in but Dr. Adrian? I mean, you know, speak of the devil and he shall appear, right? right. He's getting a far, far, prescription filled. He get, The pharmacist is busy, so he goes right back in the back and starts mixing it up anyway. I was like, okay, this, is, this guy's a little full of himself because he's like, I can do this job better than you. I was kind of like, bro, you're really not allowed to go back there. That's, that's the law. And he was like, uh, yeah, anything I can do, you can, anything you can do, I can do better. To quote the song from the the musical um, anything you can do i can do better i can do anything better than you oh you can yes i can oh you can yeah, yeah exactly right so i don't remember what musical though but we're getting sidetracked oh that's all what we always do okay so the pharmacist says we're the 10 gentlemen after we all. are the 10 gentlemen so the pharmacist says all right so the pharmacist the pharmacist does say that uh, Dr. Adrian knows about the uh, that there's these experiments that he's doing on animals, but he said, I'm done with that phase of the experiment. Uh, Dr. Adrian, Adrian then comes over uh, of first of many visits to the Clifford's house. The Clifford's, the mother and her daughter, Frances Clifford. And Frances is in a wheelchair, and it, and it seems that she has polio, and she can't walk. People are like, well, what's polio? And most people nowadays just go like, what is that? They don't know what that is. Because later on, uh, the cure for that would be discovered to great, to great uh, aplomb and, and great applause. 
1940, polio was a major issue in the U.S. It's a viral disease that attacks the central nervous system. Tens of thousands of Americans were affected. The majority of cases didn't have any symptoms, but about 1% had muscle weakness, uh, which in severe cases, you had paralysis, mostly in the legs, but also in the upper body. And it could be also in the lungs and heart, which would, of course, kill you. Uh, in 1940, then, then U.S. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, he suffered from, from that disease, and he was wheelchair-bound. The struggle of polio had like it had an official face to it. It's the president, even though later research uh, usually came to the conclusion that he didn't suffer from polio, for, but from another similar affli- affliction, people still went, oh, he's got polio. They just, sorry. In 1938, he did instigate what's called March of Dimes. Uh, that still ongo- is ongoing. It raises money for polio, patient care, and rehabilitation, and research. So it was very much in the public eye at the time. I think later there would be a... Yeah, and he really did st- sort of stuff like that with something like the New Deal earlier in the in the 30s, which he did. That was uh, after the Depression. We did talk about... We did mention that a little bit earlier. We, we mentioned that in our Things to Come episode for those wanting some World War II cool talking. Uh, we do that there. We're probably not going to talk about the war this episode, but we're going to talk about it in a future episode, but more of the effects of it, especially when the U.S. wasn't even involved in it until 41. But, we did also we did also, yeah. did also talk about the De- Great Depression a lot. I think after King Kong, we kind of talked about the Great Depression because, you know, people were... And in fact, now because of educational advancement, I, I do know basically why the Great Depression sort of happened and the New Deal was sort of made to fix that uh was basically world war ii was devastating to germany they had to pay back 35 million dollars for all the trouble they caused during the war they still haven't paid it back because it was so stressful couldn't pay it all back this caused uh, britain who wanted to pay back the u.s with the money from germany to donate to germany in the hopes that they invest it uh and then this went wrong because germany did not invest it so the u.s loaned to them because they were the major loaner and uh, the fruitless feedback loop contributed to the Great Depression, and then Roosevelt came along with a new deal. In work for the uh, the Depression, though, so I wonder how it actually closed. But yeah, that's the gist of that. Yep, and then short little history thing. Yep. The History Channel. Uh, hist- history, no. real stuff, real life, real important. But anyway, now yeah, back to the stupid movie. Pharmacist. Now back to the stupid movie. Dr. Adrian has brought Frances a ju- jewelry in a jewelry case. But she says, it's not my birthday. My birthday was last month. But he said, it's a make-believe birthday for a make-believe daughter. Well, this is a make-believe birthday, just as you're my make-believe daughter. Now, you get the point. That he, he he has a kind of a backstory. His 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 wife and his daughter. He lost them like ten years ago. She would have been eighteen, something like if she had lived. So he was his virtual daughter. Kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah so he says make believe daughter for right. an emotional level, right, right, and a virtual daughter in a way, and it's kind of kind of serious. And so he gives her a gift. He gives her a gift, and he uh, he says I cu- I couldn't save them then, but I could probably with the knowledge I have now I could probably do that. He wants to help her walk again. So Francis says that Danny the mechanic is going to the circus, and when he gets back, he'll tell her all about it. And Doctor Adrian's like, no, no, you, you got to go on a date. I mean, that's kind of nice. Frances doesn't believe any of the nonsense that everybody says about him. She she actually has a really good heart. She's probably the best character in here other than Danny. You know, Danny is kind of good good to a fault. Danny's going to the circus and Dr. Adrian is saying, okay, you can, uh, you know, you guys can go together. Now, it seems like she thinks he's going to go, uh, the doctor's going to go too, but he basically just helps her get 
you know, get the wheelchair on the back of Danny's car and it, or Jeep or whatever it is, and, and truck, and it's very, like, rickety. It, I was commenting on the fact that uh, if she just lets her hand go, she's going to roll off that thing and she's going to be dead for real. Uh, she'll be do- doing a lot more than not walking around. She'll be doing lo- not breathing at all either. Well, hey, the, it, back back in the day, they're used to seatbelts were a dream, basically. Oh, you didn't have Cars to. Cars were not as yeah. safe as they used to be. I mean, imagine like that old rickety like Ford. Imagine how much that ricketed back and forth. Just because it's so primitive and all the black smoke puffing from it just cars were probably not very good for society especially leaded gas was something not great that definitely needed a fix well then the doctor says you know uh, hey I'll, I'll just stay behind and everything will be fine and she's like no no come on but i think he's kind of like well i'll just be a third wheel and you guys have a date so the mom is kind of sad because the daughter didn't get didn't get to go out a lot and yada yada so anyway this, this is all just relationshipy stuff uh, the point is we're going to the circus circus let's see a lot oh look at that it's a stock shot of the circuit look at that there's another stock shot and there's another uh f- film uh, shot from another movie oh isn't that great all right so the the even the little boys from earlier who were chucking rocks they sneak in um and 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 they're in the way you know they're kind of like in the aisle so the the the, the peanut and they're not supposed the, to be the there. peanut man is going to trip over them and and of course I mean, how is the sheriff? Oh, yeah. I was talking about him, like, literally standing up on the front seats. And I was like, what on earth are you doing? So relatable. The hot dog dude is just like, I'm going to. Why did he have to step on the chair? On the people? Well, because they that's not where people are supposed to sit. What are you doing? Yeah. Don't stand on those seats. Well, the other thing. You're not supposed yeah, to. Yeah, you're going to trip. Uh, it's, a, it's a fire hazard. Uh, oh, oh, too, too soon. I just thought I just I thought <laughs> that it did. yeah fire hazard does but yeah there is a gorilla he's a sideshow and uh, he is more than six feet tall I'd guess he's really big. he's the biggest uh, gorilla he, in the world William it, it, that ape is bigger than six men six big men it's the biggest ape gorilla in the whole world. Yeah, yeah the first, What about King Kong? The, no, no, first, no. He's the biggest the, gorilla. Right at the beginning <laughs> of the movie. Right in the, at the beginning of the movie. He was advertised he was the biggest gorilla in the world. Not only the land, but the world. Greatest show in, uh, in America makes sense. Greatest no, show in Brazil probably more than makes sense. Or in Africa. It's, in the world? And how, how many years ago was it? King Let's, Kong the musical. Yeah. <laughs> King Kong the musical had a huge King Kong that was literally like the size of the whole stage. It was insane. I mean, even still, the King Kong the movie, they had to make a whole huge stage that just accommodated King Kong. Yeah, there was only seven, that was really only tiny. seven years ago around and the, the King Kong. So they must have forgot that, that, you know, but these kids weren't probably. They forgot kids the weren't true born. king of the age. Yeah. And long, long may he, long may he live. Long may his reign uh, and until, until the next beauty Want, or or Godzilla wants to kill him, he'll still live in our hearts. All right, so we see Mason the banker. He he's you know if we didn't like him before, we hated him before because he's a banker and he's kind of a jerk. And he's out on the town with a woman. We find out this is not his wife. So he's a bigamist. He's a he's an adulterer, philanderer, whatever. Um, then we watch the tra- the trapeze act. That does actually look like like it was kind of it has the same kind of film stock as the rest of the movie. So I think it may be part of this movie anyway. Franson, Fr- Franson, Francis mentions that there's lots of muscular ability required to do all that. And Danny's like, 
uh, whatever. Look over there, you know. And even she even says, uh, "Oh, she's beautiful." And he goes, and she and he goes, oh, "I saw her come by the the you know the shop, and uh, she ain't all that." So you see what you see what he's doing. He's kind of he's doing throwing out negative comments about you know uh, about other women and say and saying, "I think the the actress who plays." Francis is quite a she's quite attractive for 1940s. Come on, so I mean, so he's really he's really being nice. But we see later that he's a little too protective of her. He doesn't even let you know when there's something that could help her walk. Which yeah, I get it. You know, he even says later that he doesn't care whether she walks or not. He loves her regardless. I like that's really sweet. But even when there's a cure available, he's just like I, I don't I don't like this stuff. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. All right, so we've got we've got an intercut intercut shot of the doctor working with the dog, and he goes, "This is really good that I've done for the dog. What could I do for men?" And you're like, "Okay, did you did you heal him? I don't know." And then it goes right back to the circus. So people usually what ask, did- "What is the dog doing?" But I'm asking, "What is the man doing with the dog?" And the circus is over. Everybody goes home, and we see the guy that runs the circus, the circus runner. I don't know whatever to call him. Um, he's going around looking at all the different sideshows and exhibits. And he finds the ape trainer, if you can call him that. He's shoving a stick at the gorilla previously mentioned, named the gorilla is known as Nabu. No, not not the planet where the Gungans live, but Nabu. I told him to stay on Nabu. Maybe we can contact Anakin on Nabu. Uh, wait, that's the same thing. Anyway, that's Ray Crash Corrigan. You know, getting shoved with a stick. He's he's in the gorilla costume. It would see a lot of reuse later. So the trainer's dad, two years ago, was killed by the ape. And it's probably getting revenge on it because he was stabbed, you know, with with a stick too. He's like, he's like, okay, yeah, it's a, it's a, wow, okay. Let's introduce introduce some backstory at like rapid fire, huh? It's like, hey guys, backstory. Right now we. Got if you didn't backstory. know, my father, you know, my father got killed two years ago. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so the trainer guy's smoking a cigar. You kidding, my father? Yeah, prepared, prepared to die. die. Yeah. My name is Inigo Montoya. So the trainer guy's smoking a cigar. The ape attacks him. It's, he can't even grip oh God, it with his dude, wrist. Dude, 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 dude. And he gets away from the ape, but the cigar, the cigar goes flying into some hay. Like, there's just so many fire hazards around this place. Oh, no, there's a fire. Oh, no. And then there's a fire, and then the ape escapes. Yeah, a great ape escapes. Oh, yeah, there's a video game called Ape Escape, I believe. It was, uh, it's, 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 it's fairly bloody, but that's because you play, like, this gorilla. It's, like, stylized, like, orange. What about, like, what about, high. what about the, uh, uh, film opening, sort of like that? And you kill people uh, as a gorilla. It's fun. So what's that other game called? Mo- uh, monkey ball. There was that other game where it's like monkey in a ball in a little plastic ball. You're like rolling around. All right. Th- yeah, that's fun. Anyway, so we're, we're, we're getting we're mo- we're we're trying we're, here. A- we're we're monkeying out here. Yes. So the gorilla is running around on all fours and two legs, like gorillas are supposed to do. And we'll we'll comment to them that in just a minute. So he's going, and the sheriff uh, wants to get together a posse and hunt after the escaped gorilla. After they get that fire put out, right? So the sheriff uh, comes to see the doctor. He's and he's that gives him the trainer because the trainer has been mauled, right? And he goes, "Take a look at him. See what you can do. Uh, peace out. We gotta go." The doctor takes a look at, uh, gets this look in his eye, like, "Hey, what? What if this guy were to die, and then I could do some experimenting on him?" I'm like, "Oh, here comes the bad science part of this." What is he ejecting him for? He's gonna turn him into an ape. No, I'm gonna write you in a minute. I know, but, but turn him into Abe or something. And inject him with monkey flu. <laughs> or something. I don't know. So the doctor is writing down everything he's doing for science. But the bad part of it is that what he's doing is immoral. 
So he's kind of shooting himself in the foot. He wrote down all his crimes. Case history of interest, injections, death of patient due to fractured cervical vertebrae caused by attack by ape by means of lumbar puncture. That's like spine injections, right? Two cc's of spinal fluid removed from deceased circus trainer. With this human spinal fluid, I will attempt to relieve the paralytic condition of patient Francis Clifford by means of the spinal injections. Why is he writing down everything? Is he, he's writing down all his crimes? So you have to keep good records as an as a experimenter. So he's, he's writing down everything. I'm going to murder thousands of people just to help this one girl. Should I be writing this down? Yeah. Because it can be used in a courtroom. Yeah, use it in court. We have a sheet here that says that you sucked out spinal fluid at thousands of people. Oh, who, me? Yeah, you wrote it all down. Dummy. Okay, he wrote down everything. Now, granted, if he ever goes to j- jail... later, he gets accompanied for his uh, scientific efforts. Uh, he finds someone who sort of empathizes... Or not empath... Maybe empathizes with... But he, he's a he, he's from the university. He yeah, well, we'll we'll find out him later. That there's a, again more more yeah. backstory gets later on layered on this guy. So we get our first official victim, so to speak. So the sheriff is might say silverback story. Oh, 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 oh. I just I'm thought of that. Sorry, that that's, like, that's okay. That's fantastic. That's <laughs> hit you in the funny bones. Oh, Speaking of funny bones, right. spines, spines. Yeah, this so this 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 book has a spine. So we get our first official victim. Uh, the sheriff is getting his posse together. They ask uh, Mason, the banker, if he wants to join the posse, and he's like, "I don't care about these people." Doctor Adrian goes over to Francis Cl- Clifford's house like about four times in this movie, so it's kind of repetitive. He tells um, her and her mom that he knows what he needs for the serum that he's working on. He's going to start giving her some treatments. It's not just for her, but everybody who's ever suffered with polio, all the little boys and girls in the world who have to spend their lives in a wheelchair. Oh, that's nice. Mason comes in while the sheriff is plotting a hunting trip, and he wants him to put out a dispossession notice and do it now. And he's like, no, we got to go out and get this gorilla. We'll, we'll do it later, you idiot. So the doctor comes back out over to check on the treatment that he's giving Frances, and her legs feel like lead. Feel is the operative word. She can actually feel her legs and how heavy they are. Okay. She can. She she often in the movie says that how her she can feel pain in her legs, and it's like, well, it's better than nothing. Well, yeah. So, well, that's what know. that's what she, that's what the doctor says, and so the the treatments are working. Doctor Adrian is back at the lab. He shows Jane the serum. Man, Jane knows everything. If she could only like speak and be a witness, she could like you know let everybody know his crimes. Man. She's like the. Although is it a coincidence that her name is Jane, and we're in an eight movie? I think I I think it's a coincidence, but I I think it's hilarious. You know, me 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 ape you, Jane. All right, so he he shows her the serum or fluid in a small beaker, and somehow gravity alters and it rolls straight off a table. What suddenly (laughs) suddenly the gravitational turn turn uh, the all pitch of the of the Earth suddenly turns so much four degrees in order to tip the bottle. What is that? I don't know how you were just like. What? Just, I was confused at this moment. I was like, it just rolled off. No, it's, it's the I, need of I plot. I not processed it fully. It, there's, there's a, a... And then that's his turn for the word, basically, <laughs> yeah. as, as we see later. But, like, yeah, th- I was... No, 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 listen, listen. I just, it's it's a thing... Me- and he stared at it for, like, a straight 20 seconds. And I was like, okay. Because he's shocked. Um, he's shocked. That all, that, all, all that work, you know, that he had to... 
not do he the dead guy dead guy just sh- <laughs> the dead guy just showed up i mean the the spine guy just showed up on his doorstep kind of he didn't really have to do anything to get it but now he has to think see now he's thinking what do i have to do so but me and your me and your mother william have this thing where we're watching a movie and we're like why did that happen it's called uh nop need need of plot uh, NOD or NOP, need of drama, need of plot. Like in this case, the gorilla just wandering around this one dude's the house plot for re- no the, the plot required it. Get established at the beginning of a movie. Yeah. Because the plot required it. Yes. So, uh, okay, so after that happens, Jane walks away like Dr. Adrian's going to punch her for like letting the thing fall to the ground. So, no, okay, yeah, the ape is shown in the, in the neighborhood. So, you know, uh, uh, he, he's, he's hanging around like Mr. Rogers in the neighborhood and you know that that this movie is called The Ape. He's curious, George. He's curious, right? This movie is called The Ape, right? Oh, and he doesn't have a tail. That's right. So he's not he's a monkey. He's not a monkey. He's an ape. That's so, right. So this movie is called The Ape, and so this is the ape, the the, the titular ape that we the, the, the movie, right? So uh, a couple of the posse members finds it's a bit underwhelming. They find somebody who has been mauled. Okay, uh, the ape is over at Dr. Adrian's house, and he sees the trainer's coat in the window. And he busts in through the window. It's kind of cool. It's like he's like, "Hey, Kool Aid." The ape goes ape on the window and runs in. Doctor Adrian comes in and pours some liquid of some sort in his eyes. I was thinking, of course, it was acid, but I was like, "That's really cool." And then I went, "Oh, that's uncool because you're hurting an animal." Then, then okay, Doctor Adrian then stabs the ape with something. I didn't know what it was, and then it was like, "It's a scalpel." He just stabbed them with a knife. Okay, roll credits. The movie's over. Everybody can go home. Uh, that's the the plot of the. No, I'm I'm kidding. I lied. Uh, it's an hour long. That was only thirty minutes in. All right. So the movie. Yeah, we were seriously like it's only thirty minutes in, and he stabs the ape, and it's like what? How does the, uh, the we came for ape? No ape. What do we? And do? he's done. <laughs> sort of a dead. This would have been better as a serial picture and just something on TV. But TV cliffhanger. Like right. The guys in the posse, like I said, come over back over to the doctor's house, and they say that the ape got Wilcox. Hey, Wilcox. I guess Wilcox is one of the nameless people who can't act uh, on this in this movie. The mute housekeeper and Doctor Adrian have a little bit of a secret. Okay, but but I think Jane can keep a secret really well because she's not paid to talk. We don't know what it is yet, but it's a doozy. Okay. So Dr. Adrian tells Jane, only you and I know he is dead. Oh, wow. It's a secret to everyone. It's a secret to everybody. Yeah, even even, uh, even us for a little bit. So now in the next scene, we're in the daytime, okay, and boyfriend mechanic Danny is talking to Frances in the wheelchair. He's uh, Frances is saying that her legs are hurting her, and it's all due to the doctor's successes, right? Danny does not like that she's in pain, even though she explains to him she can actually feel things, okay, in her legs, and that's good, good. She's feeling pain. He doesn't. That's good. No, he guess. doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't like it that she's in pain. I don't like that. He doesn't seem to be very bright, but he is a nice guy. He does have her best interest at heart. Okay. He does have a line where he says that he doesn't care if she's out of the wheelchair or not. He loves her just the same, which is great. I mean, that's really sweet. But if there's a way that she can't... He's a pretty good hun- husband, but he's also more of a country bumpkin. Yeah, if there's a way that she can be healed, that'd be, aw- <laughs> that'd be awesome. I may be stupid. I'm not a smart man, but, but I, I know, know what love, love is. is. That's like, yeah, that's uh, it's R- R- Forrest Gump. So uh, Danny says a line where he says, I don't like anything I can't understand. I don't like things I can't understand. So like magnets or gravity or taxes or how come Steve, Steve Gutenberg has a career or how the Twilight films were so popular you know, when they sucked so bad. 
You know, he's going to have a lot a lot to hate in about four or five decades when they discover quantum mechanics. He's going to really hate that. So anything he uh, doesn't understand, he hates. So he's it, honestly, uh, he'd be perfect for today's Twitter and YouTube world. Um, he'd be a g- Yeah, I've been trying to dip my head into quantum mechanics just a little bit just to see how it is, and I have a lot to learn. Yeah. Just like the... They just the rising edges and the falling edges of like the, the 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 quantum. Do you guys just put the word quantum in front of everything? I don't know what. Well, the, the it's term it's was. it's a particle of some. It's sort. It's like this Schroeder, Schroeder, Schrodinger's cat. It's a signal. It's electrical signal. Where the cat that has yeah. something, but it's like magnetic. Where the it, it's something. a wave and a particle. So as here's the thing. Uh, the, the Schrodinger's cat experiment, the cat is both alive and dead at the same time until you open the box and... Cl- <laughs> and this is us cl- in this movie. We are both alive and dead at the right. same time. And I, I, I... So you could say that I understand quantum mechanics and I also don't understand quantum mechanics at the same time. So that's just like the cat. I need to go back and research quantum mechanics again. Right. All right, so... But yeah, you, you Dr. Could, Adrian. So Dr. Adrian is a good guy, it seems, right? So Dr... Dr. Adrian wouldn't hurt her if he didn't have to. That sounds kind of like what people in abusive relationships say. You know, uh, I don't want to hurt you if you don't make me. You know, I'm like, Ugh, but I don't think that's what these what's going on here. Um, the code wouldn't allow the that. The code would not allow, yes. Okay, so the sheriff and the posse, again, they got the dogs out. So I guess they, they let the dogs out. Uh, the dogs have led them to Dr. Adrian's house, and he's putting out bug repellent stuff, I guess. Uh, Adrian says he hasn't seen the ape, okay? The next scene is at night. We see Dr. Adrian, uh, his shadowy lab, his sh- right? And the ape is there. The ape leaves the lab walking in a weird way, kind of... Yeah, he's just wa- just doddle, 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 just on his legs. It's just, it's, it's, like a, it's, he's not even giving like a much f- of a pretense. Like a three-year-old, right? Like a little three-year-old with... with, uh, with um, uh, what's it called? The bow-legged cowboy, cowboy, like a cowboy. <laughs> oh, did you see that cut? What was that stroll? He's just like straight, straight back, just, just little tiny no. stroll, just a lot of These people have never seen an ape move around. Have they? Oh my goodness! What it just? I I don't. I still don't understand. Anyway, so the so the so the banker Henry Mason is at his house, right? At Henry Mason's house, and his wife is cooking lamb supper for him. And he wants to leave. His excuse is that he's got to go help hunt the ape. And she's like, no, I suspect that you're stepping out on me with some other woman. And uh, she wishes that he wouldn't cheat on her in the open because it embarrasses her because everybody pities her. And this is a line where she goes, even if you go somewhere else. Why don't you try going somewhere else? But I have no one but you. I have no folks. I've got no place to go. You've got the river. I mean, that's the coldest. <laughs> Just go jump in the river. That's the coldest line I've ever heard. Okay. For a, a cold guy to do that, as cold as the river Mississippi. Well, itself. he's fixing to be a lot colder in a minute because when you know it, uh, Mr. Jerk, Henry Mason, he steps out the door, a couple steps out, and the ape gets him. And as we assume, kills him. And ape goes back to the lab for some reason. He's like, la di da. I don't know how gorillas move. I didn't use one as reference. Uh, some of the town's folk are talking in the pharmacy, which is, I guess that's just, that's just like the, t- the town square for them, and it we're just blah, blah, blah. Um, it's like their forum or something. They're, it's like their discord, uh, their, their public discord. Uh, so some of the town's folk are talking in the pharmacy about Mason's death, and some people are cool with it, and some people are not. 
And they think the ape is cool for doing the killing. So it's like, oh, they're pro-ape. The sheriff mentions when he comes in that they're tired from the manhunt, and they've got the dogs with them, right? And they were looking at footprints of the ape around Dr. Adrian's house a lot. So Dr. Adrian comes in for some medication. He's not paying attention to where he's going, and the dogs are sniffing on uh, at him for some reason. It's real strange. So Dr. Adrian's in the lab again, mixing chemicals. Next thing we see Danny and Francis' mother and Francis, and Danny is nervous about Francis, as you might expect. He doesn't like the doctor. Doctor comes over to Francis' house, and they have a conversation. Doc, the doc, the di- and he's basically sort of like, hey, are you going to treat her like one of those guinea pigs that you're injecting spinal fluid with and you're just don't even care about her? You just care for science and innovation? Yeah, he, you know, he, he says, I'm doing I'd it for... I'd probably the- be like, probably. He's like, I'm doing it for... <laughs> I'd, I'd pull I'd pull, I'd pull, pull Igor and I would say, they say... They said... Allegedly. Allegedly. Right. So uh, he, yeah. said, he said, he said, I'm doing it to help the world. He goes, I don't care about the world. Um, I don't care if you're trying to find some kind of cure. I think that, you, that you're just treating like a guinea pig. Right. So Francis says she's in pain. The doctor says that's a good thing. And he gives her another treatment. Right. So in the next scene, right. the, the coroner, who is the person who like gets the dead bodies, right, and gets prepared, prepares them for whatever. You know, they have to look over the bodies and see how did they die, all the kind of stuff. They have to write all that stuff up. They bring in an outside medical expert. This is the guy you talked about earlier to talk about the circus trainer's death and the death that's just happened. They both have fractured vertebrae, and the doctor, Doctor Adrian's name is on the death certificate for both. You know, he's like, are you are you extracting a spinal fluid? And he's like, no. So Francis, what do you mean? Yeah. Frances' legs are hurting worse than the previous day, but the doctor insists that she can move her foot. And she, he insists, she's like, move your foot, move it! And she and she moves, she does move her right foot, so it is working, right? Yeah, she did move her foot before, and move it again, but he just, he just starts yelling at her, being like, move your foot. Yeah, but it's... She's but constantly it, like, she can. She, he, she's like, I can't, I absolutely can't. It's tough love. Like, it's, just forget that you're a cripple. Forget... Paralysis. That. For, put that out and of your all, mind. That's what he's saying. So Dr. Adrian comes back to his house, and Dr. McNul- McNulty, who is that guy that, that they called in, he's actually from um, the Robinson Foundation, the same medical expert guy. Uh, he says there's a spinal puncture on the circus performer guy, and there's been an epidemic of paralysis and polio in the area a while ago. About 25 years ago, the Robinson Foundation expelled Dr. Adrian. Isn't this always the case when they're like, they didn't believe me back at the university. Uh, they they called me mad. I'll show them. How many time movies have we? Yeah. How, how, isn't that like a classic thing? How many movies have we done? I'm not really asking the question. I I don't want to. I don't want to count. But we've done quite a few of those. Where so I they, think two or three at least. At least, yeah. But I think next scene the ape comes out and they shoot at the ape. Uh, the well, little boys. Well, I'll show you. Okay, so um, Dr. McNulty he does kind of know that what's happening and he goes well let me show you some of my stuff and he goes he does he takes him over to see francis he keeps saying you know move move you did move earlier and and she's like i can't and and he's so he's trying you, to prove to him that he can but the doctor can the doctor touched on her legs and he felt a reflex response in her muscles. And somehow he's like, well, I felt the, respl- the reflex response, so I completely believe you. And I'm like, he's okay. Like, he's like, um, well, I really, uh, this is really promising. Do you want to come back to the rock? I was rock? like, uh, come again? You just, uh, just conveniently? Oh, everything's conveniently fine. All releasing? is forgiven. All is forgiven. I touched all the effort her and legs all the twitched. yelling. You should have 
thought it was cuckoo yeah. until just, oh, I heard, uh, I felt her nerves moving. It's obviously true. Yeah. And anyway, he, yeah, and he goes, you want to come back to the Robinson Foundation? He's like, no, I have some more work to do in this town. Okay, so then we see some, I think a lot of these ape shots are reused. Do you think they're like, you know, of him walking? Yeah, yeah, they are. Because they're like, Crash, we only need you to walk once. We'll just loop it again. All right, so, and yeah, like you said, the three or four boys see the ape. And shoot at him. They hit him in the shoulder or neck or something. The boys run off, and their mothers are looking for him, and they're talking to the sheriff about it. And they're like, you know, you think the scene is like, oh no, the, the boys are going to be lost, and they're, and you know, oh no, I can't find him. They find him instantly. All right, they just show up, and they said we shot at him with a twenty-two caliber rifle. Okay, and while the sheriff and the boys and everybody is going, oh, let's go hunt. The sheriff stops at Doctor Adrian's house, like of t- three times in this movie, I think. He wants to talk to the doctor. The doctor says that the ape tends to hang around his house sniffing around. The theory is that the clothing of the circus trainer that has the ape scent on it is what's driving him crazy, Um, I guess. So I guess the doctor just has to say, no more monkeys jumping on my bed. Right. (laughs) The sheriff suggests that he leave some of his men uh, there overnight to watch out for the house, but he says, that'll just bother the work I'm doing. So the sheriff and the posse head elsewhere. So it seems like he has some plan, and that's going to mess it up. So Dr. Adrian is tired, though, but he says, I cannot fail. I must not fail. Okay, so in the next scene, once again, Dr. Adrian, uh, Danny, the mechanic boyfriend, Francis in the wheelchair with Francis' mom, they're all together. Dr. Adrian is good-naturedly barking orders at Francis to move her legs, and she's saying, I can't, I can't. The boyfriend's saying, stop, you're hurting her. But obviously, barking the commands works. It doesn't she move- work. She moves her legs, though, first the right, then the left. He keeps telling her to imagine that you're not paralyzed. Stand up and walk. And if, if, if her mind is holding you in that chair, not your body, in the name of Dr. Jesus, scientist, arise. It takes a lot of energy to do that. So she, <laughs> she Was that a reference? No. She stands, she, stands up, uh, she stands up with a lot of energy, and then she falls back in the chair. The boyfriend, he says, you see, doctor, you see what you're doing to her. Yeah, you, I'm I'm helping her 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 walk, Danny. You're you know what love is, but you're not a smart man, Jenny. <laughs> All right, so um, Doctor Adrian he knows that she needs more treatment. She he needs like you know one or two more, whatever. So the sheriff goes and visits the guy. Who runs okay. This part is really filler. Again, welcome to filler. Yeah, because we already learned the information, yeah. and yet we have the sheriff learning the exact same information. Exactly, that's repetitive. You know, this is writing one hundred and one. You're just repeating the scene. Because you know that he goes over to the circus trainer guy, uh, and there's an interesting com- you know, co- conversation, though. He says, you know, what about the possible habits of the ape, right? And, and like the genius he is, he says, oh, all animals are alike. Elephants, dogs, chipmunks, orangutans, and And I'm like, no, there's eaters, a difference. There's ocelots. Prey. They all have a one. There's predator no, and prey. No, William, you don't understand. They all have a one-track mind. One track mine. No, no, that, that, no, no. I won't hear of it. One track mine. <laughs> so there you go. Case closed. We don't need any more scientific inquiry into animal behavior. We're done. This guy knows everything. Okay. No, seriously, he doesn't. Okay, but anyway. he he does he does give one clue. He says that the ape eats fruits and vegetables mostly. He doesn't really attack people. Um, so it's interesting that that it's like, oh, okay. Well, this ape wouldn't have been attacking a bunch of people. Um. So they talk about the smell of the trainer on the code, which they already know, filler scene, absolutely. So 
The doctor said the two injections should have been enough, but he's got to do one more. Anybody else's spines need juicing? Just take your spine, put it in a juicer? No? Okay. We're just using, we're really, okay. really, we're just using it. <laughs> Will it blend? Will it blend? Oh, I love it. Man, we're just using up time into the last scene, aren't we? Okay. So the sheriff comes back looking for the doctor, and he's not there at the house. Yeah, because, see, we had, like, our a turning point of events for the character. Uh, sort of a bit, slight spoilers for the what's coming next. But at halfway through the movie, and so they have to stretch out a whole lot of time. Yeah. It sure does go quick. I'm a, yeah, a I'm going to try. Happening. So the posse is hanging out near the doctor's house because he might come back there. Like, that makes sense, right? Do apes ever return to the scene of the crime? One of the guys says that. I want a t-shirt with that on it. So uh, the ape takes another victim, but he's not a victim, right? He stabs the ape with a nice-sized knife. They fire a shot at uh, and everybody comes, not at the ape, but they fire a shot in the air. Everybody comes running, and they, uh, they see the ape staggering off back to the doctor's house. So the ape passes Francis's house, and she sees him. She yells out, a warning to the uh, she's the the ape is going to the doctor's house. She yells out a warning to the doctor, and rolls up to his front porch. The posse members give the ape another gunshot wound. Okay, the gorilla has collapsed on the front porch of the doctor's house. The sheriff checks the ape to see if he's going to give up the ghost and die. Then he notices something that broke my brain. He notices that the ape's face is a mask. And inside is the very person of Dr. Bernard Adrian. Why? 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 Boris Karloff was the villain because he didn't have enough. Uh, he didn't have enough of the serum that it just spilled over the floor. He resolved to as hide you do the ape's corpse hey. as you do and kill people that way. So it's like I killed the ape. And I can't I, just go kill people as myself. I have to dress up like I have to. Like what? Like thought process you have to have? It's it's a really it's got to be a really long one. But it's like okay, I don't have any serum anymore, and then just all the thoughts eventually have to lead to I'm gonna masquerade as the ape and kill people that he way. He took this apple. The, he took this ape like an orange, and he pulled all the pulp out of the inside of the orange and left just the peel. And then he slipped... Just like my brain in this and movie. And he slipped himself into the peel and went, I'm an orange. Rawr. I mean, that, that's what he did. But it's it doesn't even make sense, considering the past events. So he's been wearing the skin and body of the ape as a costume to kill people and take their spinal fluid to make the serum so Francis can walk. They take the costume or corpse or whatever off the doctor. He's not covered in any uh, filthy dark blood or anything like that. He's just wearing a, a shirt underneath all that. And he's not sweaty sweaty at all. It doesn't make sense. This part's kind of kind of sweet. Uh, Francis gets out of the chair and walks toward the doctor and the doctor's theories were right, and then he dies, okay? And then he dies. Hey, wasn't it worth it for three people to die so one lady can walk? Even though Danny the mechanic boyfriend loved her regardless of her walking capability. So, honestly... Yeah, she had to stand up in the last moments, though, so but that that's he could sweet. Like, stare at her for his final That's kind of sweet, though. And it's sort of epic the way that the... the, the camera is posed at least i guess it's pretty good but it's just danny comes over to francis at how the at the ca- the capper scene at the end of this movie okay and she insists insists hey, hey i know I, you stay over there i, I won't, don't come to me i'll come to you and she walks across the yard to come see him she stumbles a little bit at the last moment but he's he's okay francis and her mother burned the chair she never has to use that thing again it's like those explorers of old 
who, when reaching the shore, burned their ships, right? So yet... And so she tries to play a game of tennis with Danny, but Danny's like, lay off of it, and she's like, I'm fine. And that's like the last It's ex- It's exactly good. like that. Nice little happy music, roll the credits. What did we even just watch? I'm go- Yeah, like, I'm look, insane. This last, um, I think it was like the last, like, less than 10 minutes that they're wrapping up this conflict. Just, what, just... I still don't know what this movie. I still don't. I, just, I still don't know what this movie was intended to come across. Like, what was I supposed to expect with this? Like, constantly watching like this last part of the movie. Like, this, my jaw was uh, just like, what? Conflict. I was just like, why? But like, just constantly, I was just like, is there something I'm missing here? Like, I, I can't connect what on earth is happening, or like what I should care about the characters' efforts, resolving what's happening, stuff like that. Think about this. It's like the scene in Empire Strikes Back where Han Solo cuts open the Tauntaun, right? And he puts Luke Skywalker into the Tauntaun. Now Luke can walk around as the Tauntaun and suck out people's spinal fluid to save somebody's girlfriend that he cares about. That's that's totally that how the totally movie makes went. sense. Okay, I don't get it though. I don't understand why the dogs were always crazy when he was. Ar- I do understand why the dogs were always crazy when he was around. He's been inside a gorilla corpse. He probably stinks. Okay. Yeah, but I was where did he put earlier, the monkey like meat? This... Where did he put? Where did Doctor Adrian put the monkey meat so he could walk around as Nabu, the bow-legged circus ape? The world may never know. There's been a, there there right. there's never been a scene where he takes a shower either, right? So I don't understand my own brain and thoughts at this at this point. I, th- I think th- yeah, this but movie broke just, my brain. Tell me, please tell me what your it thoughts. It broke my brain too. But I was explaining like I was saying like earlier about this movie was sort of like a simmering lukewarm cup of coffee because <laughs> dry conflict of this last. <laughs> yes, moment. yes, yes. Because there's just there's no music here. It, it's just it's it's a simmering cup of coffee in terms of like suspense and drama. At this point, I'm just like rethinking like is this supposed to be like a mystery movie? Just Suspense. I don't like, know. Is it supposed to stay like an un-horror horror movie. I don't. I don't know. Like what? What was this last conflict? It wasn't even like a conflict at all. But this why? Movie really why? If, why would you take a gorilla? Drama. Why would you take a gorilla corpse? Why would you pull out all the monkey meat and leave the leave the, the leave the the peel of the orange? Yeah, we're still just processing. We're still processing. Like you know, what, let's just play us leading into this epic moment. Of the just the the end reveal was just crazy. It's in a it's a costume. The doctor, the doctor was the ape the whole freaking time. Wait, no way. What? How? Did he skin the ape? Did he cut the ape skin off and wear it? Doctor Adrian. Wait, no, he was with the ape. He was with the ape. Wait, look. He knocked the ape out. She's walking. How'd he get out of the suit? They just ripped, ripped it off him? Because the ape, and then the, the doctor stabbed the ape. He somehow made a costume out of his body <laughs> that's been wearing him to go around and kill people for their spinal fluid to help this girl. Couldn't you just, like, go, you know? Yeah, but then what is the circus? Why do you, you have to be dressed up as an ape to kill people? And then into the last reveal is just mad. Look, look, th- you owe it to yourself. If you're, if you have an hour, that's why we said 
to watch yeah, it's this. It's on YouTube. If with you all have your an hour. life. It's on YouTube. It's public domain. Uh, we couldn't find any quality copies, though, when we watched it first. We found I did. I found, it. I found a good copy. We found some good ones later, but we did have one with terrible quality, and there was a point where France's shirt turned to rainbow because it couldn't agree what it looked like and stuff. But uh, there, there are better we'll copies the, out there. We'll it put the good copy on our, the website. It have, yeah. Yeah, it may have influenced our uh, our standing on this movie. It could have, maybe, I don't know, but even st- just barring the visuals, just the story, man, just you owe it to yourself I, to watch this and know. shake your head and go, "What in what in like, the heck?" At first, it, it, just when you process this, it seems like a normal movie plot. When you look at like the Wikipedia plot and you go, "Like, oh yeah, right, that sort of makes sense." Yeah, that makes sense. Ish. Yeah, the plot is it works. It it works as a normal movie, something you'd watch, but it's just when you don't know what's going on when you're watching this for the first time, when you're just you just have to process like how any of this stuff makes sense or just what this movie even really exists for. I still don't know what this movie was supposed to be. Was it supposed to be suspenseful? No, is it supposed no. to be a suspense? People like monkeys. I, I'm telling you, this was the there era isn't that of much monkeys, horror, this, but yeah. there isn't that much suspense either. So, look how how many just, movies how many movies since nineteen probably it's 1930. a cup of coffee. It's as dry well, as a coffee. Bean. Think about this: it's a simmering cup of coffee, but you took a sip and you and you you caught some of the dregs, the the grounds, you know, had escaped from the per, you know from the the, the and then it's just filter. simmering on the coaster and you're like Bleh. simmering on You've the you got coaster, grounds in your mouth. No, you got grounds in your mouth, just keeping it heated just slightly. That's what the conflict does for the movie, and, and you just, just want to spit it slightly. out. You want to spit it out at the last minute. So yeah. this movie thankfully didn't go beyond the hour because if it did, I'd be like, I just wasted two hours of my life. Uh, speaking of wasting two hours of our life. Uh, we're wrapping up this podcast episode. Yes. Um, next episode, I believe, is The Invisible Man Returns. Uh, Claude Rains himself returning. I no, presume, no, he's no. Not. Uh, Cla- Cla- no, he's not. They got another actor with a very, uh, very good voice, uh, Vincent Price. His voice would actually be his, his calling card, just like uh, Claude Rains. Uh, his voice was very much his calling card throughout his career. Uh, Vincent, you know... It's 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 pretty good. Um, I think that it's, it's like a lot of these sequels. It's diminishing returns as you go. Um, some of them didn't even. The only connection they had to the to the Invisible Man movie was the word invisible, and the word and man, the, or and the word man was this, or <laughs> in some instances it was Invisible Woman. It was there was a movie. Um, they just they had the effect. They had the idea. It's tangentially related, uh, so we're gonna do it, but. Just, now that I think about it, the Invisible Man, or at least Claude Rains' Invisible Man, would be a would actually be a good Batman villain. He'd be a good Batman villain, actually. He'd be like a hybrid of like I don't know, like Joker, the Penguin, uh, maybe the Riddler. Take your pick on insaneish villains. Yeah, and the look of Mister Freeze. Well, there's a bat. There's a Batman. He, there's a Batman villain named Hush. And he actually has he actually has wrappings around his face to hide his identity. Interesting, but he just imagine like the look of Mister Freeze, how he looks just like a glasses and a and just the the, the face and the glasses inside this uh, dome. You know what he is? Sort of like that ish, but like without the personality, freezing powers or like the dome. Just 
a villain with a slightly hidden face and green goggles is his calling card. And just with the Joker sort of personality, especially the Britishness of Claude Rains would be good with that. He'd, uh... He he'd be like a good. I'm thinking of like a comic book. He'd yeah, like, he's sort of drawn like the illustrated classics version uh, that has a lot of illustrations that I know of. That's what I think of him as. And those would be well. Ba- like, Batman's really Batman. Batman's main goal is to be unseen, is to be stealthy, right? And what's more unseen than something invisible? Although he would again have to, although again be harder for him because Batman is more armed, and he would want to therefore be more armed. But then again, that would decrease his mobility and invisibility. You're right. Uh, I th- he would have an orange vest at, at least at one point. I feel like that at, at just that one thing. Really. I feel like it could be. The next episode we're doing is yeah, the in- is Invisible Man we're Returns. We're doing the Invisible Man Returns, and then the Invisible. Uh, well, the the third one. That's I Invisible believe. Man's Revenge. Is that does that come right? The Revenge, and then next we're doing the Mummy's hand tomb hand. There's Mummy's hands tombs and it was a curses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was uh, it's the Mummy sequel. Uh, I'll be looking forward to that. And we've also got uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Uh, the 1941 version. It's a, it's, that one's it's, be it's a, it's a different too. version than the one we we did. You'll have to compare and contrast the uh, Jekyll and Hyde that we did that had um, uh, that that was uh, the the Robert uh, Mamoulian uh, film from back in the thir- uh, the 30s. Compare that one with this one. This one has Spencer Tracy, which is a very well known dramatic and and low key comedy actor. He was more more dramatic than comedy, but you know there was you know the yeah, but just just like. A gorilla, I am scratching my head at what the ape was, and I guess it's just going to have to be hidden in the past for now, because we're at the end of the episode, but not truly. I do, it's it's not a really popular movie in terms of coverage in podcasts, right. so it's just, it's, it just... Wackadoo, I, man, wackadoo. Yes, it, it, Scooby-Doo is <laughs> even better than this. Yes, no, and you know, the Flintstones. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. This. That like, was wackadoo. Like, that that used wackadoo. Like, the phrase. like that was that was that was. Oh no no no. Yeah, but yeah, but All right, no. Um, in Scooby-Doo, didn't they like you know find the monster and they always take the mask off and go? Oh, it, it's old man Henderson that runs the roller coaster at the yeah i believe there was like ghost that 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 same thing there was an ape i believe and that one too that one had that. dr and bernard adrian like, in zoinks it. zoinks yeah zoinks well, man in this, this movie in this case in this case it really was the doctor who did it man he's the one who really did the deed okay scoop we we need to get in the mystery machine and head out of here so that's the end of the episode have a great day hope you enjoyed it uh be patient with us as we put, put these episodes out uh, some of them may, you know, come in you know, rapid fire one after the other. Some, you know, maybe, you know, a little bit delayed, but we, you know, we always get them, the best ones out to you. Uh, and no matter what movie we see, whether it, it's absolutely befuddling and baffling, or if it's really, really great, you're going to get the same treatment of it from us. We're going to watch it and give it its due. So have a good one. Don't forget to open your third eye and telepathically message us at cinefanpod at gmail.com. Set your chronoscope dial to the future setting and peruse cinematicfanpodcast.wordpress.com. Hunker over your ham radio as your keen ears listen for the ghostly voices tweeting on our Twitter at cinematicfanta1. 
exchange all of your money into Republic credits and donate at our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Cinefan Podcast. Ending transmission now. Mm-hmm.